All right, all right. Welcome back to the Behind the Back podcast. We are your hosts. I am Marcos Conan-Negron, and beside me here is Ben the Jet Rats. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the now we're getting into... are driving me nuts. Yeah, we're getting into the nitty gritty of it today. That's why we delayed it a day, <laughs> so we didn't have to do it right away. But we're still going to delay just a little bit. It is November second, six twenty p.m. We just wanted to follow up on what was a really, really Almost had it. Close game between the Sacramento Kings and the Golden State Warriors. Clay Thompson hit a game winner to make the final score 102-101. How did you feel? I think that, you know, most of the things that we mentioned last pod almost happened. Obviously, Keegan struggled a little bit with shooting, but his defense was there. I thought the team defense was really good as a whole. We limited a huge Steph Curry game. It just didn't go our way towards the end. Yeah, I... I think we played as best as we possibly could, honestly, um, considering we didn't have Fox for the first game of the season. Obviously, this team, even without Fox, can be better. But for it being the first game without him, and our record last year was 4-5, and five, I think, without him. Um, like, you couldn't ask for a better game, honestly. The only thing that I wish was that Keegan's thumb wasn't wrapped up because I do believe Keegan, if he could have knocked down a few of those shots, we would have won that game. I mean, that thumb wrap, it was noticeably making a difference in his shot. I mean, he doesn't airball like that twice. Yeah, and he was losing the losing grip on a few, whether it was dribbling mm-hmm. or just handoffs in general. And also, if Domas had just hit just a few more free throws, he, you can't yeah. miss half. The Kings were, this was a great shooting, a great free throw game by the rest of the team. They were 18 to 23. Domas missed the five. All five were Domas misses, which sucked because they played physical. They got to the line. They were controlling the pace. And that was the only thing that, you know, just a few things here and there had it gone our way. We would have won. I mean, we were 1135 from three. We couldn't buy a three pointer either. So the Warriors also struggled. They were 11 for 31. And I don't know. It just like we were controlling the glass 48, 36. They, you know, turnovers, we forced them into 17 and seven of them came from Steph. So the way. Mike Brown was just disguising our defense, putting different guys on him, just giving him different looks. It kind of looked like Steph was just frustrated out there. Shout out to Keegan, too. He played some bomb defense on Steph a few times, multiple times in this game, but even a couple times he picked his pocket. And I was like, wow, that is exactly what we need from him. If if you're not going to, you know, do really well on the other side of the court, the all that anybody ever asks is that you put in the most amount of effort and anywhere else you can. And that's what Keegan did. Right. And uh, we got to also consider Davion. I thought he did really well in the start, 13 points, three, uh, three boards, four assists and three steals. And they tried to pick on him. And I think, again, the defense was just really good at adjusting, saying, hey, we're not going to let Steph beat us. And we're going to force everyone else to try to make some plays. And unfortunately they did, but Davion did a really good job. He stepped up. So. What uh, what did you think of, um, we mentioned uh, yesterday that Colby Jones was going to get some extended minutes. What did you think of his play there? Yeah, um, you know, the box score doesn't necessarily show the amount of effort he put in. You know, he had four points, um, three rebounds, and an assist on 17 minutes. So, you know, he didn't, he wasn't stuffing the stat sheet by any stretch. But in terms of making winning plays and, and being decisive and being good on defense, like, he was he was playing his role perfectly and really happy with what I saw from him. 
Yeah, especially in the spot that he was in. You're playing the, you know, one of the toughest possible teams in the West. And, you know, to have to guard Steph for an extended time, guarding CP3 for an extended period of time and just Tough. having to, yeah, and just having to go up against them was, it was, I thought it was great. And he handled himself really well. And I just think that shows that moving forward, I don't think that once, even once Foxy comes back, I don't think he'll crack the rotation, but he proved that. Should we need a change of pace? Should we need like a Terrence Davis style, like, oh, a new face if the game's going wrong? Need someone you can throw in there and get some plays out of. So definitely, definitely. Yeah. It was it was good to see him, you know, get those extended minutes um and really kind of find that rhythm. You know, one of the things I talked about yesterday was just getting comfortable on the court and finding that confidence without Fox, you know, and those that's the key on the stretches is just guys figuring things out now so that when we plug Fox back in, we're ready to go. And yesterday, a lot of players showed extreme confidence. That block that JaVale had was oh my gosh. gross. Dude, I like I was in disbelief when it happened. It was awesome. And I'm trying to remember what happened right out like he didn't he end up getting a bucket on the next play or something like that. I forgot what happened. I know it was a little hectic after he got the block, but it was it was such a nasty block. I literally covered my mouth. I was like, holy yeah. crap. I was shocked. And, and um, a lot of guys made big plays. Like Malik had two blocks. I know um, Kevin Herter was out there getting like nine boards. He was hustling. He had a couple in transition shots that you wanted to see him make. I know he didn't still he still didn't shoot the greatest, but he was out there and he looked much more confident. Again, I think the Lakers game was a good jumping off point. And um, I think one complaint I really had was when we think about like the last couple of possessions. I didn't like that Malik got switched on to Steph on the second to last possession that they had. Like Steph came down and they did just an automatic switch. And I just thought that I don't know if it was Keegan or Kevin, but whoever was there should have stepped up and just stayed with Steph. I just as much as I love Malik, he's not someone. That's why you saw Mike Brown take him out of those last two possessions, because he's just he just couldn't be out there for defense against Steph and them. And that was frustrating a little bit. Yeah, I I completely agree. Um, but it also we that style of defense we were running at that point looked like we were switching pretty much everything that we could. Yeah, just to make sure we were staying up on the shooters, and um, and unfortunately, you know, it it pans out that way. Sometimes you're going to get an unfavorable switch, and you guys are going to end up, you know, leaving some points on the table that maybe if you played it differently, it's like you would have gotten them back. But ultimately, right. I mean. Looking at this game, they did exactly what you and I asked, you know, of them to do. And we thought that would give us the best chance to win. And here we are. We're talking about a one-point loss on Clay's third buzzer beater against us. <sighs> Unbelievable, this guy. And he didn't have the greatest game either. None of the Warriors really shot that well except uh, for Dario Sarge. I think he was the he was kind of the momentum killer when we were when we were generating a run oh he hits a three here he was three or five from three but he had 15 points like in most times like 10 out of 10 times you're gonna want dario sarge to beat you out of instead of steph or clay but i think he was a he was a huge factor but clay just hit a shot that clay would make and he has 100 percent confidence in himself i think defensively it didn't happen the second to last possession but that last defensive possession we got it out of steph's hands it was a contested shot by Clay. It was a tough fall away shot. Like there's not much more you can ask for. And Domas hit a very Domas did exactly what we were 
hoping he'd improve on in the offseason was hit those tough mid-range shots. He hit quite a few. He hit one over Draymond, hit a couple over Kavon, and he hit that one to give the go-ahead bucket. And I was I was impressed with him. He did. He played really well, played physically. And I was, you know, and they struggled. The Warriors struggled in the third quarter, which was the big quarter. We were, we outscored them 24-18 before getting outscored 22-28 in the fourth. So it was that, the fourth was really where we missed Fox, obviously, because it just, we, it almost feels like it's guaranteed points when Fox is in, in the fourth. But, you know, they just, they just couldn't push through to the end. And again, hard fought game. They did what we asked them to do. So. Yeah, definitely. Agreed. Um, I've got an interesting question to ask you, and I know it's early on in the season. Obviously, teams are still figuring things out. But would you say this Warriors squad is better than the one that we faced last year, excluding the playoffs because both teams brought their A-plus game, and that's a completely different ballgame? I would say yes, only because you take away Jordan Poole and you're substituting Chris Paul. Dario Saric is a great addition for them. I think that depth-wise, it makes more sense what they have now compared to what they had Last year, they seemed a little thin, especially in the playoffs. They just couldn't trust guys. I think now they're slightly deeper. You can trust a few more guys here. And they're going to put themselves in a position to make a deeper run. But again, they're still susceptible to older, being older. Can they keep this up the whole time? This is the first time they went 4-1 since 2021 when they won the finals. So that's it. again, it'll just be interesting. Will they be able to keep it up? And if they do, for how long? But Every, it just felt like we could beat this team. It just felt, it just feels like we're right there. It doesn't feel like they're that much better than us. Doesn't feel, you know, we're competitive with them. And I just have a feeling that if we were to match up with them in the playoffs, that I just have a feeling that we could still get the better of this team this time around. And given our depth. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, I think going Going off what you said, this is a deeper team, and it's a deeper team with more experience. You know, Chris Ball coming in, it's he's not like complimenting Steph or Clay by any means. But now that they moved him into that bench role where he can kind of command that second unit, and then that I'm gonna call it a death lineup at the end because yesterday it it was seeming to work for them. You know, yeah. when they can really figure out how to get all three of those guys to close out a game together, that could be a scary team. But you know. Obviously, there's some age around four of those guys in particular that, you know, injuries could definitely catch up with them. You know, it's it's a long season, 82 games. You know, you never want to wish injuries by any stretch, right? You want to keep the injuries out of the equation. But it's it's hard not to keep it a thought, especially when you think about these older players, LeBron, you know. Yeah, when you when you see some of these teams, like especially now that have it's something we don't consider with these older guys like LeBron's out here dominating Kevin Durant's having great games Stephen Curry these are all guys who are 35 or older like I think we're really taking them for granted a little bit just how well they're performing at this age still so used to them just doing this but no I was again I think this loss showed more about us than it did about the Warriors I think that it showed that we have the depth to keep up with one of the better teams in the league and that just shows that Moving forward, we should be fine without Fox. And that doesn't mean that we're better off without him, any of that. But it just shows that Monty McNair did a good job retooling and rebuilding this team. So any final thoughts on this before we move on to the football? No, no final thoughts. Let's just take care of business on the road. Yes, exactly. Let's let's go three. Let's win our next three. They moved uh, the elevated De'Aaron Fox to day-to-day. 
So who knows by November 10th. And again, we can talk about whether or not is, is it should we rush him back in? Should he play Monday? Should we wait all the way to OKC? Because we can beat this, those three teams without him. That's, you know, that's something to consider. But, you know, we'll see what, you know, what they update over these next couple of days and see what happens with him. So um, outside of that, and Trey will be back too. So I think we'll have a full Kings team that we get to see soon. So that'll be even more interesting. Definitely. So, all right. So let's move on to football. So we'll start with the Philadelphia Eagles victory over the Washington Commanders. They won a shootout 38 to 31. And kind of like uh, this was a, you know, a tale that if you were just to look at the box score, it didn't look like the Eagles won this game. Like the Washington Commanders outscored, like they had more total yards, 472 to the Eagles, 374. Sam Howell looks like, uh, I don't, I don't want to say names out here, but he was looking like a MVP level Josh Allen style player playing. He had 39 he was 39-52, 397 yards, four touchdowns, and an interception. He was dicing up that Eagles secondary. And I think, you know, part of it does, you know, obviously the Eagles traded for Kevin Byard. And when you're adding a new guy who is good, you you know, you, you kind of simplify your defense a little bit. And I just think that they made it a little too simple. Eric Bieniemy just has our number versus Sean Desai. Sean Desai and... The, it, both teams were just able to move the ball up and down the field. This was a really just offensive game, and the things that got in the way were turnovers. And the Eagles lost a turnover battle yet again with two fumbles versus just the one interception for uh, Washington. But at the end of the day, the Eagles were just able to hold on off of a remarkable A.J. Brown, Jalen Hurts game, just doing what they do best. A.J. obviously set the record for most games with 125-plus yards. And people can talk all they want about Tyreek Hill, but AJ Brown's only uh, 75 yards behind him. So it's, it's very, he's dominating in a way that you're, it's, it's like you see the speed with Tyreek and just how he's a cheat code that way. But AJ is just a bully and how he's a cheat code that way. Getting over double teams, guys can't stop him. And Jalen Hurts was on one today or when they played on Washington. And, uh, one thing to note, too, we've pointed out that Jalen was limping a little bit, right? So it was revealed before the game that he's been playing with a bone bruise since the last time they played in Washington. So mm. he's been hurt for four weeks, and that's why he's been looking hobbled, and he's just he's playing through it. It's something he can play through. It's just trying to deal with the pain. But going, uh, going up against uh, who we're going to talk about later with Dallas, it's not going to be fun. So... <laughs> I just hope that, you know, I trust Jalen, trust his judgment, trust that he'll be okay moving forward because obviously the results are still showing. So definitely MVP so, performance. Yeah, it was the best game of the season by far. One of the best games of his career, just statistically with efficiency, four touchdowns, 319 yards off of 29, 38 passing, no interceptions. Got to stay clean. Yep. And he was just, he was in control. The offense did a good job moving the ball. And I... I want to stop the narrative that the commanders actually stopped the tush push because that's not what happened. They didn't stop it. The Eagles messed up. That's two totally different things. Um, call it what you will. But I see why the Niners brought over uh, Chase Young because uh, now he have somebody who actually stopped the tush push, right? So, you know, got something a little forward to something to look that's forward right. to. 
Um, we'll obviously talk about that here in a second because that's the only positive thing that Ben really has to say at the moment about this team. But what did you did you? I know it was this game wasn't like watchable, but in in terms of you know just where we were. But do you feel like the Eagles underachieved because the score was so close, or do you think that you know being seven and one is just makes them one of the better teams in the NFL still? No, I mean it. It makes them one of the better teams in the NFL, and there's regardless of who you're playing, every team is an NFL team and every game can go either way. And that's already been proved this season with some of the, some of the losses and wins we've seen from teams that you don't expect it. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, to be seven and one right now, I think eight weeks ago, if I asked you, if you were going to, if you guys were going to be seven and one right now, would you be pretty freaking stoked? And I think you, you'd be pretty happy. 10 times out of 10. And it yeah. would be, and I'd be, to to say that we lost to the Jets would be the surprising one. I would have gone 0 for 8 if I had to pick which games I would have we right. lost first. So, um, and I, again, I, I'm confident moving forward, but, and every win has mattered so much because going into this next week, it's going to matter even more. And somehow we could still end up second in the division. So it just shows that how close everything really is. And even with the Niners right now slumping, they still have a very good chance of, you know, they can run a table, get a hot and still end up with the one seat. So it's it's crazy. And I'm excited. It, things have been fun. Things have been interesting for sure. But the Eagles look good despite not playing their best at times. And they're still finding ways to win. This is Jalen's six straight win coming back down 10 points at any given point in the game. So like they just they figure out ways to win when things get rough and they have different ways to win, especially when. They only put up 59 yards rushing. Uh, DeAndre Swift had a couple tough runs. Kenny Gamewell just struggled. He had negative four rushing yards, but he had some good catches. And he had the costly fumble. The Eagles fumbled twice on, you know, possessions inside the five-yard line. And it's just like, at that point, I was I was livid. I, would know, I know I was texting you. I'm just like, Dude, this is, this is, this is going to cost us. This isn't how we win games. Like, it just shows, like, if we lose, it's because of these turnovers that we just keep having this and this wasn't even an, uh, a Jalen Hurts problem obviously the fumble on the tush push counts as a fumble for him even though it was like a missed snap by him and Kelsey it was a just a weird situation but like in those moments I was worried and I was I I'm a very you know reactionary guy I like to overreact a ton in football no. especially in football <laughs> basketball I'm a little more calm but like Football, I'm just like, man, every play matters. This is it. Like, oh, no. Uh, I was freaking out. But AJ calmed me down after he had that one-handed, unbelievable grab to bring the Eagles 14-10 at the time going in the half. It was unbelievable. Like, I was, that was one of the catches of the year to me, and I just know that he'll be able to keep that up. Going into next week, that's going to be a completely different story, and I'm excited to talk about it. But final thoughts on this game is that the Eagles defense stepped up when we needed to and got the turnover. Reed Blankenship did a good job picking off Sam Howell. They, despite the fact that they were just dinking and dunking, dunking, getting open plays, the Eagles were able to make plays when it mattered the most. And I was happy to see that that's just what winning teams do. They did a good job. So I was happy with the results and I felt even more confident moving forward. I didn't even think that, oh, because this is just a one score game that, oh, I should be worried. Uh, the defense scares me, but I think this is something that they can figure out. Again, they held Miami to 10 offensive points when they played them, and Miami was the most explosive offense in the league up until that point. So 
I believe that they can figure this out going into Dallas this week. So, yeah, um, my final thoughts, I just kind of got to hand it to the commanders for putting up a fight, you know, as Absolutely. normal against you guys. Cause it seems like every, it's like when the Niners play the Seahawks or the Cardinals, it's, it's a very tight game every single time. And not necessarily it goes every, you know, any way, but it's just, it's always played so tight and it's a fun matchup to watch. And for the commanders, like they had seven guys um, with over 20 yards reception. Oh so yeah. They were, they were throwing guys at you just trying to figure out how to keep moving that ball down the field. And it was, it was working. I mean, Sam looked like, like you said, like a freaking MVP level um, Josh Allen. It was, it was kind of crazy, but and no, yeah, and we, we only sacked him once too. Like they, yeah. they didn't count. He had an intentional grounding that could have counted as a sack, but they didn't. Hassan got him at the end and they, who knows? It could have, they had a chance. Terry McLaurin dropped two back-to-back passes. Now, again, they were a little low. He's sliding on both of them. That's not the easiest catch to make, but you're Terry McLaurin. You're supposed to be the best player on your team. You don't drop those. Like it's the opportunities were there and Slay was able to stop Jahan Dotson from getting a catch on a, you know, one that was reviewed just a couple key moments that just didn't go Washington's way. And, you know, the Eagles capitalized. So that's what winning teams do. They capitalize and they win the games when it matters. They stayed clean too. only three penalties that only cost them 15 yards. So again, two really good weeks of no penalties, just, just trying to maintain. And hopefully, especially against a big game like this, another divisional game, they just, we got to continue to stay clean. So now we, we should move on to the San Francisco 49ers taking on what looked like the number one seed that we were, that we, our Super Bowl Bengals pick that we picked in the AFC. The Niners ended up getting that version of the Bengals. It looks like the Bengals are back, but the final score was 31 to 17, correct? Yeah, and we'll leave it at that. Moving on to the Eagles and the Cowboys. <laughs> yes, um, I can understand why. Um, it just felt like from the outside looking in a game that like just those plays, like Brock was doing really well, and then all of a sudden just everything just spiraled. And the defense, again, uncharacteristic. And we can, we're can we about to break down whose fault that really is because I think everyone has an idea whose fault it really is when it comes to how the defense kind of performed how it was set up, but what do you think, what were the moments for you in this game that really just, you kind of felt like, oh man, like, I don't think we really, like, we felt like we lost it here. Um, To be honest with you, I felt like we had a chance all the way up until Brock threw his second pick. And that was, that was, you know, late in the game, but I don't, I try not to give up on this team. I'll right. say it out loud, like, oh, this game's over. But in my head, I'm like, no, no, we got this. We got this. Because I've seen them pull a lot, a, a lot of shenanigans late in games, like, and just figure out how to win a game. And that was dating back to last year, right? There were some victories that we probably shouldn't have had, especially that one against the Raiders where Robbie Gold misses a field goal and then we go to overtime. And then it was just advantageous situations that we ended <laughs> up winning off of. And so, you know, I try not to give up on them, but, man, it was – it was tough for sure to watch our defense not be able to get a stop when it mattered most. Yeah, because it looked like you guys still once once uh, you guys had that touchdown to put uh, to put the game to twenty four seventeen. I was like, okay, here we go. The defense just needs to get a stop. I know they can do this. 
and then it just didn't happen that way. They were able to take their time down the field. Yeah, it was it was ugly. Um, it just felt like when we needed to make a play, we just couldn't make that play. And it was on both both sides of the ball, you know, defense and offense. Obviously, we were were still missing at the time Trent Williams and Debo, which as I was saying, as I was saying, it's it's they're a vital piece of that offense and the rhythm that it carries from week to week. Having either one of them, especially both of them out, is just an enormous hit. And it's it's really showing the value in in Debo for that matter. You know, I this earlier this year I was thinking about it before he got injured and I'm like, we offered him that much money and I have not seen him play to that level. And then he goes out and you're like, oh, okay. No, it makes sense. He's huge in the scheme. Right. So, you know, the nice the nice part about it, we hit the bye week. Niners fans, we can take a collective breath. Like, we're here. Let's get healthy. Let's reset. Um, you know, every every interview that I've heard from guys in the locker room and then after the games as well, like days after, they're talking about it. They're like, we're not worried. Um, we know where we need to be better. We know we need to fix things, but it's, they say it's still early. It is kind of early in the sense of there's no serious separation amongst other teams right now, especially in the NFC. Like we've lost three games and we're still kind of in that. If you take away how we've looked, we're in the race, right? Right. It just seems like we're a load apart because of how bad these last three losses have been. But I don't know. It's it's nice to be on the bye, to be honest with you. I'm I needed that breath of fresh air. We need to get healthy. Debo said in a, a pod today that he's feeling good. He'll be back ready to go. That's great. Um, against Jacksonville. So yeah, I'm it was a disappointing game. Um you can look at it from multiple aspects. I think the biggest issue with the Niners right now is on the defensive end because we don't have anybody out and our scheme is still different from what it was last year and the year before that. So it showed how effective Robert Salah and D'Amico Ryans were versus Steve Wilkes. Now there is some conspiracy and some like thoughts that, you know, Steve Wilkes is up in a box watching the team over top. He's not down there on the line talking to his guys and calling plays from there. Right. So the last two defensive coordinators the Niners have had, I've been down there fighting in the trenches practically. Like you could throw either of them in at any given time and they'd be pumped <laughs> up enough to make a play. Yeah, and, hyping up their guys. Yeah, and, and that's huge. I think this team definitely was, it, they rode a lot off of momentum and energy. And those two guys brought an enormous amount of that every week, win or lose. And it's different now. You know, they've kind of got to figure out their own energy and build their own energy. Obviously, they got guys who can do that in Fred Warner and and Nick Bosa and, and it's just like I don't know it's it's a different feel and you can see it's different obviously the defensive scheme is different too but I think that's the glaring issue right now because it's noticeable like to think about it this way like you watch the Eagles right and Nick Sirianni is on every single play he has something to say he's hyping up his guys telling guys oh we're gonna get this you do this you do this like he's he feels like he's a part of it right Kyle right. Shanahan is a much more even keel guy you see him just, you know, stoic, you know, he's hyped up and or pissed off, but he's he's kind of focused. He's like locked in in that way. And he's never really been like a player's player's guy, like a visible one. I'm sure he's great with the players behind the scenes. But D'Amico, Robert, he had those guys who were 
the hype men for him, like hype up the guys and they were ready to go. And I feel like as a player, like you want to, you want to impress everybody. You want to, you know, perform well and you want to get celebrated for when you do things well. And you want to look to the person who is more responsible, like your coach, you want to look at him and see, look, look at the work that we did together. But when they're up in the booth, can you really, you know, connect in the same way as to whether you're right down there and have the conversation face to face, maybe having them down next to each other, they can talk more consistently, figure things out more on the fly. That might help a little bit. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I do. I do also want to still say I'm still riding 100% with Brock Brady. Like, oh, absolutely. Those two picks. Yeah, they were bad. Keep in mind, he is still technically in his first season. I will continue to say this. Like he hasn't played a full 18 yet. And this was it's good for him to to get these, you know, humbling games and these humbling experiences. He, he's done nothing but win up until the last three games. And to go on a little bit of a losing streak, it sucks, but I'm sure it's it's helping his development, no doubt, right? Right. And prior to the to the two picks, he was having a great game. I mean, he finished with 365 yards, one touchdown. Um, obviously, those the 365, I think like 65 were added on in the end when he dumped it off to Ray Ray McLeod. So it's it's kind of like a 300-yard game. But nonetheless, like it was still, still a, a really, really good game from a kid who all you've asked him to do is be a system quarterback. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with the the Niners have a good recipe. There's nothing wrong with having relying on your defense to elevate your it's exactly kind of not exactly because you guys have proven that you beat them but the Cowboys operate in a similar fashion their team looks so much more dominant when their defense is dominant and they're not relying fully on Dak to have to carry them the whole time there's nothing wrong with putting your quarterback in good positions by having a good defense and when their defense is letting Brock down even though he's playing well they have to force the issue in ways that they that you know the offense doesn't run that way it runs off of capitalizing and on that second, you know, back-to-back plays. And that second play was such a really good defensive play. It was a breakdown. It shouldn't have even happened in the first place. And it's just one of those things that I think Brock still has all the tools to lead the team in good fashion. If a couple, if a stop happened, who knows, maybe he could have led the game to, you know, to tie it up. He's put right. this team in positions to win before. And again, the two weeks prior. Exactly. Like the Browns game, that wasn't on him entirely. Had the kicker, had Jake Moody hit the kick. This would have been a, oh, just a back to back loss conversation. I think that I understand the chatter of, oh, should they bench Brock? But it's way too early to give up on a player who has shown that he's still doing well. And I think he'll bounce back. He'll have opportunities to show it. And especially once the defense is able to make a few plays, you know, I understand that the offense scored 30 points plus, but when you're missing two of your best players who are considered consensus, consensus top 20 players, that matters. And that's, yes. it's, it's tough. And Brock has played as well as you could without having the cast of the Avengers on his side. So yeah, just, I, I agree. I wouldn't give up on him even in the slightest, even if he, you know, I don't think you guys are going to continue to lose. That's the thing. I, I have confidence in this team. So. Yeah. And I do too. Um, and we'll get into the schedule here in a few minutes, you know, with the mm-hmm. Niners. But, um, you know, my, my kind of my final thoughts in this game, I'm 
I tried really hard not to overreact to this game and I'm going to continue to try and not overreact to it. And so I'm just going to, I'm going to view it as we made it to the bye. This is where we needed to get to. It's time to get fresh, get healthy. Let's get out there and win some games. Um, you know, one last thing too is the George Kittle had 150 yards in this game and that was freaking awesome to see. I was stoked to see that. And then for Christian McCaffrey to get his 18th straight touchdown tying the all-time record like that's that's killer and i hope i hope he gets the record for 19 no doubt he does like he has to I, and of course you know watch this be the game of course he doesn't right but like you know whatever yeah but i'm confident i mean the offense Me runs so much through him it's kind of hard not to picture that happening and at the same time i just think you guys you guys will rebound you guys obviously have a new toy to play with we'll talk about that in a little bit we brought him up but the the pieces are there for you guys to bounce back. And I think now the conversation for the Niners is, okay, now they dumbed it down a bit, right? Like all of a sudden it went from Brock being the MVP to, okay, the Niners have some work to do. And now you guys can kind of be overlooked again. It's not all this pressure of being the right. best team in the NFL. Can Brock Purdy do it? Like now it's kind of it almost like, especially with the bye week, it feels like a chance to reset. You guys got Joe Shiesty. Like you played Joe Burr, like the guy who was, the MVP, Joe Burrow, like he balled out and he looks healthy again. Like even if he's not a hundred percent, he was at like ninety five percent. He looked great. Yeah. So shout out to him for just balling out and and shout out to the Bengals for bouncing back. I mean, we, you and I, almost we all but wrote them off. I mm-hmm. I didn't fully write them off. But, I kind of did, <laughs> but it was it was definitely one of those situations where it's like they're. I think it was like zero and three, right? Yeah. It, and, I think they were zero and three, and we were like, "Holy crap!" Like, I think they're they might be close to cooked. And we were just like, "Is Joe gonna get healthy?" And playing football yeah. doesn't make you healthier. So he looked so healthy in this game. Shout out! Great. So they're they're legit. Uh, they need to keep winning, but you know, if they lose against Buffalo, I didn't pick them to lose. But if they lose against Buffalo, that you know, different story happens. They're gonna have to fight harder. But they look like they looked like the AFC contender we expected them to be coming into the season so you guys got a tough you guys got the tough matchup and it felt like you guys were the shorthanded ones not them so yeah yeah so we'll move on so we'll the Niners are on a bye week this week so we're gonna break down the Eagles uh game versus the Dallas Cowboys at the link but we obviously we're gonna after the Eagles game we'll talk about the Niners moving forward Ben's gonna give his mid-season grade and slash report on how he feels moving forward and we're going to look ahead at the schedule and just kind of break it break it down see where this team can kind of come back and make their mark and kind of what we think their record might be to finish the season but without further ado it is dallas week baby it's it's my favorite and most nervous time of the year i've been saying f dallas in my head just all week long it's been great i'm i'm so ready for this this is a this is the biggest game of the year not just in the nfl but so far at this point, but for the Eagles, the Eagles are seven and one best record in the league. If the Eagles lose this game, they're going to be second in the division. So the Cowboys yeah. have set themselves up with the five and two record. They had their buy already. So just like how the Seahawks position themselves with the Niners, you guys have the same amount of wins, but uh, they have the tiebreaker in that sense because then because the bye week helped. So this is the Eagles last games prior to the bye. So again, I really want to win this one just to show that just like uh, Dallas has a San Francisco problem, 
the Eagles have a, a Dallas Cowboys problem in recent history. Last year, we split the series, but each game, the backup quarterback for the other team played. When the Eagles won, they were playing Cooper Rush. When the Cowboys won, they were playing Gardner Minshew. So it's it was really hard to gauge who was really the better team at that time. Obviously, the Eagles finished with a better record, all that fun stuff, whatever. But this is going to be the first real matchup between Jalen Hurts and Dak Prescott, like in the sense of as both of these iterations of both of these elite teams. So I'm excited for it. And obviously it's going to be strength on strength. It's going to be the Eagles offense versus this Cowboys defense. And then where the Cowboys can get the Eagles is Cowboys offense versus this Eagles defensive backfield, which has been kind of like Josh Allen, a roller coaster of results, right? So just like I mentioned earlier, this defensive backfield held, the Miami Dolphins to 10 offensive points. It can be figured out. And we just have to stop CeeDee Lamb from looking like AJ Brown in this game. CeeDee Lamb coming off of a 12 catch, 152 yard performance against the Rams. And they were just Dak Prescott, four touchdowns, one pick, just dotting them up. He had a great game. Both him and Jalen Hurts are coming in hot. So this just makes for a primetime matchup. And there was a stat they threw up on first things first for the Eagles in terms of how they've made opposing quarterbacks look it's almost like as if Jalen is playing another Jalen on the sideline statistically with the how the Eagles defense has been making other quarterbacks look the numbers for opposing quarterbacks are almost identical to what Jalen's been putting up so having to beat yourself every week is a is a tough task when you're playing as well as you are so I I'm nervous in the regard of he's hurt so that changes the dynamic of the offense a little bit where the Eagles excelled with Jalen was that threat of him running the ball. And I don't think he's going to run the ball that much. You watch in Washington, they switched up their RPO game. I believe that's part of the reason the run game just isn't going well because they operate a lot out of the shotgun for the yep. run. And when it's usually under the threat that Jalen's going to have the option to run too. And when they know DeAndre Swift's going to be the guy, if you hand off the ball, it's easier to stop. It's a little more one-dimensional. So hopefully the Eagles can figure out a game plan to kind of mitigate that rush. We don't want Micah just coming full speed at Jalen, and that's going to happen quite a few times in this game. And considering the offensive line has taken kind of a step back this season, it just looks as if, you know, they're beat up, they're missing Cam Jurgens. He's, he's mattered. Suho Pettis been getting bullied a little bit. And their passing offense, uh, pass blocking in particular, has struggled. So I just hope that Jalen can make a few big plays. The way you beat the Cowboys, and the Niners did this, and the Cardinals did this, you get a lead on them early. You punch them in the mouth first. You don't let that defense control the game. Every game that they've won and bodied teams, their defense has come out and made a play first. Whether it's a pick six because Deron Bland, or I think that was his name, Deron Bland, Last name Bland has he has more touchdowns than a lot of receivers in the league. He has like three touchdown returns. So if this defense sets the tone early, the Eagles are going to be in a lot of trouble. But if the Eagles can get out and score, move with the offense, force the defense to, you know, if they struggle and force Dak Prescott to have to catch up, then the Eagles will be in control. It's a different game that way. So that is going to be the key to the game for me. Get out early, get ahead. And the Eagles in recent weeks have been struggling to score early and they kind of take their time to catch up a little bit. Now the Eagles can catch up, but I'm nervous against this defense because this is 
one of the top defenses in the league, regardless of what anyone says. So we have to go at them, try to run, try to pound the ball at them and see if maybe we can break them down a little bit and get the lead. If we get the lead early on, I'm going to feel really confident moving into this game. But the problem is we need this win. It's at the link. And Dallas is really good at home. They're one of the best. I think they have the league leaders and like home winning streak right now with like six straight. So we don't want to have to go. If we go 0 and 2, if Dallas sweeps us, I don't believe that we're going to get the one seed. So, and the, the difference is this is a chance to either get the one or the two seed or the five seed and playing a game on the road in the playoffs. That's just tough. And the Eagles don't want to do that. And Dallas is going to give them a run for their money. And it wouldn't be surprising if Dallas did take this. The The NFC East hasn't had a back-to-back winner since 2003. So it's, history says that the Eagles aren't destined to back, you know, to go back-to-back. And I just hope that that we can con- take control of this game, control time of possession. That's what we struggled with last week with Washington. They were going short, 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 controlling possession, being efficient. Our defense needs to step up. We, I, we hope we have an answer for this offense because it, it, they'll come at you quick, especially if CD is getting going. So he's the big one that we have to lock up on. And I'm a little nervous because Bradbury and Slay look like just a little bit slower. They look like they're struggling just a bit. I just hope that with Kevin Byard, they figure everything out soon. So our run defense, I'm not worried about. And the Cowboys don't have the best running game either. We can handle a, speeder, a speed guy like Tony Pollard. This, this team's going to swallow him up. And Jalen Carter's good to go. He had a little back issue against Washington, but he's clear. He's good to go. So, and Jalen's going to be dealing with the bone bruise regardless. So I'm not worried about Jalen because he's been playing well with it. But man, am I, I'm definitely nervous. So I got two questions. My first one, and I'll let you answer it and then I'll ask the second one. So the first question, over or under 125 yards for A.J. Brown? Haha, will he continue the streak? He's going up against Bland and Gilmore, and I don't know how they're going to approach this because in normal, if they just stay true, AJ's going to be seeing Bland more than he's going to be seeing Gilmore. So I think he can do it. Bland is kind of a smaller guy. You can be physical, and AJ Brown is the king of physical. I want to say over. I want to believe that he can do the streak. So I'm going to keep believing that he can because he hasn't shown me otherwise. And this offense has excelled despite some of the matchups that he's had to go up against. So, yes, I'm going to say over. I'm going to say over 125 yards. He keeps the streak going. Love it. All right. Second question. Is the weakest link on your team going into this game the secondary? Yes, absolutely. Yes. And I don't. And it's not because of who's there, because now, especially with Kevin Byard, the talent is there. But just kind of like, you know, the Steve Wilkes issue, Sean Desai, that system can be got sometimes. But he's, again, we've had, the Eagles have had so many moving parts in that defensive backfield. It's really hard to create a scheme that caters to the team that you have. They they just haven't been consistent. So hopefully this core of guys can stay healthy so they can figure this out and have a game plan. But as of right now, they are the biggest weakness, and that is why people believe that the Cowboys could win this game. And are that the Cowboys are? It almost feels like uh, this is very much like the attention they got during before the Niners game. It felt like the Cowboys were the hotter team. It felt like the Cowboys were the better team because the other team has a 
potential weakness. So I kind of want, I, I don't mind that energy at all. I'd, I'd want people to look at us as like, oh, the Eagles are going to show that they're not as good as they are. I think now I have a score. I put my score down as 35-31 shootout because I do anticipate that the defense is going to struggle. But I, I think that the Eagles can get out early, take the lead. And then it's going to be, they're going to try and catch up and the Eagles just stay one step ahead of them. That's where I get my score from now. Yeah. So Dan, yeah, I think the defensive backfield is the biggest weakness. And the problem is the Cowboys don't have a distinct weakness. Nothing, nothing is glaring as the Eagles. So that's when right. you have one team that has a glaring weakness and another more overall team, that's where, that's where it makes me a little nervous. Yeah. It, it's, I think playing a large part of beating the Cowboys is being opportunistic and jumping on a wayward pass from Dak, a fumble, um, you know, taking advantage of, of bad reads on defense when you're on the offensive end. Like it's, it's finding those holes and those chances and then running with them. And that's one thing that like the Niners did really well in that game. They didn't really make many mistakes at all. Right. It was, it was damn near a perfect game for us. And so you know, every, everything that presented itself, we jumped on. And I think it's a large part of any possible way you can beat this Cowboys team. Cause it's, I don't stand by my earlier statement this season that they're the most complete team up and down, but they're still a hell of a squad. Like yeah. there's, there's not many weaknesses when you look at it on paper. For sure. And Again, on paper, you could argue that the Eagles are slightly better than them in most, if not every area there. Um, and that's the part that, like, maybe the talent just does win out. Maybe the talent just does show out. But the Cowboys are a really good team. And they obviously, the Niners showed the world that they're not a true contender. But this would, a win against the Eagles would put the Cowboys back in the media's good graces, at least. Right. Still doesn't. That still doesn't mean they don't have a Niner problem, and that's still something they could still run into. So that will always be the thing hanging over their head. But the Eagles will have two chances at least. And but the problem is, we need the one at home. We need the one at the link. That's the one that matters. That's we got to take advantage of the home field. But again, like I mentioned um, after the loss to the Jets, the Eagles go into the bye. You know, off of this loss, go into the bye seven and two. I'm not. I'm not really worried about you know, the rest of the year. But the problem is, given how good the Cowboys have been, this could be a battle for the fifth the fifth, speed, the fifth seed in the playoffs, and that would be a much tougher road to climb. So, so my final thoughts on this game, um, and I'll ask for yours if you have any, but <laughs> I, uh, I've got the nine, or sorry, I've got the <laughs> Eagles winning this one 30 to 24. I think it's going to be, honestly, this is how I think it's going to happen. It might not, it might. Who knows? I think the Eagles will have a lead the entire game and it'll only get close towards the end. I think Dallas will pull it within that one score, you know, and make it kind of like a game. Yeah. But I don't think it'll feel like it really. I think pretty early on I I just I see the Eagles controlling this game. But I appreciate um, that. I needed that. That was a little yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm also, you know, low key trying to jinx your team, so no I mean, I'm just kidding. Hey, I mean, hey. <laughs> I mean, we'll we'll talk about that here in a second because we gotta yeah. let the world know here. But. but I'm I'm stoked. This is gonna be a really fun Sunday night. It's Sunday night football, right? It has to be. It's not. It's um, it's the like the four o'clock game or whatever. So let seriously, me, I gotta look this up now. Let me make sure it's not Sunday night football. I know, Ew. but it, it's it's the game of the week slot. You know what I'm saying? 
Yeah, because they have like the, the game Sunday of the night. week. Yeah, one twenty-five. So they have the it's the game of the week, one twenty-five slot. So All right. yeah, it'll but still I'll be on there. So I'll be able to see it. So yep, yeah, I looked exactly. at the broadcast map. We're good. So that's all that matters to me. <laughs> good. Um, my final thoughts would just be again: we need to get out quick. We need to punch them in the mouth, show them what we're made of, and dare Dak to have to come back to beat us. Dak has been historically great against not just the NFC East, but he's eight and three against the Eagles. And again, some of those games, this would be like the first real matchup against Jalen. So that's, that's the one that's going to get me a little bit. So, um, I'm excited for just how we're going to look. This is a big test for us too. But again, if, even if we lose, I'm not worried. And, um, ah, I'm just excited. It's Dallas week. I just, I just want to win so bad and I want to win so bad. So, we got to take this dub. That'd be great to go into the bye eight and one versus seven and two, and with the lead in the division, and that'll that'll say a lot. I think this game is going to say a lot more about Dallas either way than the Eagles, because everyone everyone still believes that the Eagles are a good team, whether they lose or win to the Cowboys. But if the Cowboys lose to the Niners and the Eagles, and then they have a date with Detroit at the, towards the end of the year, like they're going to go up against the teams that are considered to be the best teams in this conference and if they'd continue to not show up in these big games and only beat the garbage teams then you know what really is the cowboys you know right so that's enough about the eagles but i'm again i'm excited so we'll move on to our last portion here we're just going to talk about the niners now that they're on a bye week so the big news they made the biggest trade of the trade deadline they were able to acquire chase young for a compensatory third round pick which is basically just swapping a third for a third and technically it's a rental because he's an awesome player a former second pick uh on a contract year and if he doesn't play that great you don't have to worry about it and only cost you a third round pick and if he does play great great you now have the complete defensive line that you can have for years so how did you feel about this trade when it happened I was stoked. I, I actually didn't see it coming. Um, you know, I was I was definitely aiming elsewhere in terms of I wanted to fill up our, our secondary and yeah. try and get um, a cornerback. But you know what? This is if this was the splash deal that the Niners were going to hit and there was nothing else that was, you know, really available. I'm OK with this for the reason of improving the defensive line, especially the edge rushing is only going to help our secondary because now it means they don't have to stay covered as long, right? If if we yeah. can get to the quarterback in time. I wonder if um, now if the defensive system is going to adjust a little bit, maybe less blitzing, more of the four rush guys, because Chase Young provides an awesome... He was leading the league in pressure rate prior to this trade. So you bring a guy like that who, if you're going to double-team Bosa, if you're going to try and double-team Hargrave, you had one weak link, even though Cleveland Farrell and Javon Kinlaw are not like weak links, but you you all of a sudden have four studs that it's going to be a pick your poison and the other dude is going to capitalize most yep. mo- most of the time. This is going to fix the sack problem that's been happening over the past couple of weeks with some of these teams. So I'm excited to see it benefits everybody on that line. Nick Bosa benefits. Chase Young benefits. Nick Bosa and Chase Young were teammates in college, so there's that friendship, that connection there. Nick Bosa is probably going to get him acclimated way quicker because of it. So 
I I see this as a win, especially when I know Jalen Johnson from the Bears was the cornerback name that everyone was coveting, and the Bears just backtracked and said, "Never mind, we're going to keep him." And uh, I just I know that uh, I know that with that's kind of the next best thing. If you if you can't get corner help, then you got to help out your corners by improving your defensive line. And now all of a sudden, you guys have a rotation that has you know Chase Young, Nick Bosa, Randy Gregory. Javon Kinlaw, Cleveland Farrell, Drake Jackson. You can shuffle those guys in at any time. This whole line is going to be fresh. It's it's just it's advantageous, and you see teams that have won Super Bowls do this. The Eagles have done this. It just makes sense when, especially when your identity revolves around the defense and generating pressure and forcing stops. So I thought this was a, I thought this was a really great move. It was a very low risk in terms of how much you have to give up for him and a very high reward possibility for this. So, yeah, definitely agreed. Um the only thing I worry about is I don't think it necessarily solves our Steve Wilkes problem. And um yeah, I I talked about it a little bit. I think that I think regardless Steve needs to be down there on the field whether mm-hmm. he's going to be that guy that brings the energy or not. But to be down there, be present with your players, I think would at least help it would it would it would boost from where we're at right now um you know it's i it's my understanding that Kyle Shanahan kind of had like a heart to heart with Steve Wilkes um at some point after the last game and just he probably just uh, you know t- talked to him about something along the lines of you need to be a little more present with your team maybe come down to the sidelines maybe be a little more aware like whatever the situation is cuz i'm not going to lie if Kyle's having that com- if Kyle feels like he has to have that conversation it's safe to say that Steve Wilkes is approaching the hot seat. I'm not saying he's on it now, but when I look at this defense, the players on this defense with exception to the secondary, there's no reason why we should be struggling this much. It's it's kind of surprising to me. It's it's uncharacteristic. We're playing uncharacteristically. Um and I'm just I'm seeing a lot of issues with this team on that side of the ball that I didn't expect to be seeing. And we definitely didn't see with with D'Amico Ryans or um, or Robert Salah. So, yeah, definitely still have a Steve Wilkes problem. It'll probably hide it a little bit hmm. and maybe it'll get better. So I guess, you know, we'll see with the coming schedule. And it's easy. You know, he's the first year defensive coordinator for this team. Right. So. It's easy to put the blame on him. And again, it because it is his fault with the schemes. Guys have to go execute, but you're, he's not putting his these weapons in position to succeed. Mm-hmm. And you can't be getting dotted up by good quarterbacks like this because you're going to continue to face good quarterbacks. And if you're not taking advantage of the front seven that you have. So, and there's going to be options available. Should it just, should the season go downhill? Like, there are going to be options available who might end up actually being better than Steve Wilkes. So he needs to, he needs to create a better scheme and coach up a little bit better. And maybe him on the sideline will help. So hopefully he follows through with that. Maybe they, they figure they feel like this is the best decision. It's not like he hasn't been on the field before he was a head coach for the Panthers. It's he, he understands. And he had a decent time when he was there. It's like, he understands what it's like to be down there. So I get that maybe from an upwards perspective, you see things a little bit that you want to communicate to your guys, but, I don't know. I feel like if you have that much experience behind you, you should already know that stuff. So, 
So yeah. I have a question for you. So mm-hmm. obviously the Niners are five and three, second in the division right now. Um, if you had to grade this first half of the season for you guys, what would you what would your grade be right now? I'm gonna give it a C plus, maybe even a B minus, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Um and the reason being we're still we still have a winning record. We're still in a position where we could take the NFC. A lot of things have to go our way. And we definitely need to show that we're worth that. Um, but we won the first five games, and that put us in a great position going into week six. Obviously, from there, we digressed, and we're talking about a five and three record now and talking about us potentially being frauds. But I, five good games to three bad games. I unfortunately I I want to feel like the Niners are terrible right now because you know it's the the last three games have felt really shitty. Yeah, <laughs> right. Lack of a better term for sure. For sure, and so so it's tough to be positive, but you I just I have to force myself, and I encourage other Niners fans to to look at when we were fully healthy offensively. I don't think we needed to worry about what our defense was doing, even though our defense was playing better in those five week stretch, but we were, we were putting up 30 points a game and only one team has exceeded 30 points in that three game loss. So, you know, theoretically we could still be winning all those games with exception to the Bengals game. That's a good point. And yeah, you guys were right there the whole time. And yeah, I just, if I were to, you know, if I were to give you guys a grade, I would put it, at a, like a B minus because you guys are still very much in it. And again, even if it's not for the one seed, it's going to be for the two or three seed most likely. Right. So you, you're still going to be in a good position. You'll at least have one, uh, one or two home playoff games playing at Levi's yep. is awesome. So obviously uh, you guys are still very much in this and getting healthy is important. Staying healthy is even more important. So that's going to be obviously the biggest concern moving forward is even once these guys come back, Will they stay healthy? They look like the most dominant team in the league when they are healthy. So, you know, the week off is going to help with McCaffrey's oblique and, you know, Brock can fully recover from the concussion because it almost felt like a little rushed him coming back in. Um, even though he said he felt fine the whole time, that I believe that. But having that extra time to just mentally figure things out, it's going to be huge. So especially a team like this. So the Eagles are suffering, too, because like. I want Jalen to not play right now, but we don't have a choice with the bone bruise and having a week off is going to help. So I'm really, I'm excited for this game, but I'm also excited for the game to be over. So then we can just get to the bye, just like you guys. So after the bye, let's take a look at the schedule. So you guys are going to face the team uh, in the AFC tied for first place, the Jacksonville Jaguars now. And then what is, what's kind of your, in your opinion, the toughest stretch that you're going to be facing? during this last during this last half of the schedule because i know it's jacksonville but i forget who you got else you guys play i know you play the ravens so later on down the road so so yeah where this stretch gets tough in my eyes is after the buccaneers two weeks from now so the way the schedule works when we when we come out of the bye it'll go to jacksonville then we'll come back to uh to levi's play the buccaneers then we go to the seahawks then we go to eagles then we come back to Levi against the Seahawks. Then we go to Arizona against the Cardinals. Uh-huh. And then we're back at Levi's against the Ravens. And then we got the Commanders and then the Rams. So, so I have a question. All... I have yeah. a question real quick. So for 
the Seattle game. So you're going from Seattle. You're going on the road to Seattle and then on the road to Philly, right? Correct. But it is a but that Seattle game is gonna that the one on Seattle is a Thursday night game, right? Hmm. It might I be. Wanted, I just wanted to make sure because I remember we talked about this early that like I think the Eagles are playing yes. you guys. Okay. So okay. So I was a little nervous because I was like, wow, Seattle all the way to Philly in a week is gonna suck. But okay, so you guys have the extra break, so that won't be as big as a deal. Um yep. okay, so continue. Sorry. So then you guys Yeah, it's you know, where I think this schedule gets the toughest is after the Buccaneers, because those are all teams that, with the exception of the Cardinals, all teams that have shown they can beat any team in this league, including mm-hmm. the commanders. I mean, they put up a hell of a fight against you guys as they normally do. Right. Right. Um, so I get worried in three weeks for sure. Um, I think getting a win in Jacksonville and getting a win against the Buccaneers is almost like you a have must? to do it. Yeah. You, it's a must. You, you have to do it. And I know Jacksonville, they're a good team. Like they're no pushover by any stretch, and neither were, are the Buccaneers. Yeah. yeah, they were my one seed, the the Jacksonville, and they started off slow, but they're figuring things out and they're winning nasty. So yeah, playing at Jacksonville, who knows what the weather is going to be like? Is it going to be raining? Florida's a nightmare, so who knows what's going to happen down there? Yeah, and we'll get into those dirty details next week when we when we kind of do a preview on it. But um, it's not a favorable schedule, in my opinion. Um, and maybe that's just feeling how I feel after the three losses, you know, um, that probably definitely plays a factor, mm-hmm. but what record, what record do you think you guys need to win this division and at least secure a top three seed? Because neither one of our teams is going to be fourth because the NFC South is garbage. So we're, I'm assuming that whoever wins the divisions are going to be battling for first to third. Yeah. Um, and obviously the Detroit Lions have a very cookie cutter schedule to finish this year. Um, but what record would you feel like? Okay, so you're five and three now. If you went five and three again, that puts you at what ten and six. Mm-hmm. So wait, would it be a seventeen game season though? So, so let's say you go six and three, then it's like eleven and six. Do you feel confident going into the playoffs with an eleven and six record, or do you need this team to kind of almost run the table and finish thirteen or four and twelve and five to feel we, really confident? They have to go seven and two. They have seven to go and seven and two. That's okay. that's where I put them. Um, I don't see what are the I two losses. The Eagles or the Cowboys digressing anytime soon, you know, or regressing. Mm-hmm. So um, I think the two losses I, potentially. Let me, let, yeah, let me rephrase that. What are the two mm-hmm. toughest games that you think would give you guys the trouble? That's what I mean. I'm gonna say the Ravens and the Eagles. Okay, I was thinking that too. Yep. The Jacksonville one's going to be a big test, though, because Jacksonville's mm-hmm. ready. So, well, we've got uh, two weeks to prep. If we're not ready and we're not ready to come out and punch him in the mouth, I'm going to be upset. Yeah, that's going to be a different kind of problem. So, uh, that'll yeah. be a questioning the coach problem. So, right. okay, but yeah, no, okay, so seven and two. That's so. The what if you guys go seven and two? That would put you guys at twelve and five. So you're wanting more of a twelve and five chance at a top three seed. I think that's a great spot to be in. 12 and 5, 11 and 6, because, you know, we'll break down next week. We're going to break down very similar style. We're going to break down the Eagles remaining schedule and how I feel. And there's a lot's going to, you know, my opinion's going to change based off of what happens this weekend. So, but no, I still think you guys can win this division. I think you guys can win this division with an 11 and 6 record. Now, I want you guys to get the 12 and 5. 
Loki, like, you know, eh. uh, but I want you guys to beat Seattle because I think you guys are the better team. But I just it's bad. and I know Seattle made a move to get Leonard Williams. So they're beefing up their defensive line. They're doubling down on defense because Geno's kind of regressed a little. It was a great pickup for them. Great pickup. Then the Giants are kind of doing a little sale. That was a good move by them. Think to the future. But yeah, no. So Seattle gets a little scarier and it'll be interesting. That's going to be a slugfest when you guys play them. So, yep. um, any final thoughts on, you know, how your, you know, your confidence in this team or the, anything you're really excited for moving forward for this, you know, second half of the season. I'm just excited to see how they bounce back. It's, it's a matter of how, because I know I, I firmly believe they will not get worse barring injury. Of course, they will not get worse than how they were playing. There's just too many playmakers on either side for them to get worse than how it was. And right. I think the more weapons that we get back on offense, Debo, Trent, the better Brock's going to feel on a week-to-week basis and just the more comfortable he'll feel. So yeah, I'm, this, I'm yeah. looking forward to see how we bounce back. This will be big for Brock, too. This is a big yep. moment in his career because he's he's still playing for his job. Nothing's guaranteed for him. You guys haven't paid him max money. He is still in the strategic position for what, like two more years before you even have to pay him. So, but he's also a replaceable player with that contract. So, you know, as much as we believe in him, he needs to step up. He needs to, the team needs to get the teams, the team itself, not just him, but the team needs to get wins to take that level of pressure off. Because if all of a sudden this thing tail spins and you guys go, you know, six and five or your record's six and seven, then the conversation is, then, then the conversation is, will Brock get benched? Like when, like that's so these next, you guys need to come out strong (laughs) out of this bye week But I think the bye week came at the perfect time for you guys right at the trade deadline too. chase young gets a whole extra week to be with these guys. And hopefully that makes a difference. So definitely. Yeah. So yeah, that's great. Um, so real quick, last thing we'll do here, review how we did um, on our picks. You know, are you feeling confident in your picks this week? I went 10 and six last week. You were nine and seven, correct? Nine and seven. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I looked at my record. I'm like 70. I forgot what I am. I'm like 76 and 45 or something like that. Something yeah, stupid. I'm, like, I'm 71 and 50. So see, we're, we're doing great, dude. We're doing pretty good. <laughs> I was, This was way better than I expected going into the season. I'm not going to lie to you. So yeah, I, I think um, I think especially for us early on paying attention to these teams, not having to worry about the Kings. That sounds awful, but you know what I mean? <laughs> no, no. Yeah, exactly. Um, being able to focus solely on the NFL and all the other teams, it kind of gave us a benefit just in terms of, you know, we got a feel for these teams early on. We got yeah. an idea of what they're going to look like through the season. And since then, it's been easy to kind of keep tabs on them, especially just watching football every Sunday, you know, so yeah. So um, one last one, one last question I have for you. What has been your biggest surprise that has happened throughout the NFL season? What has surprised you the most? And it could be like a recent move. It could be, you know, is there anything that's kind of caught you off guard this year that you just weren't anticipating? I know this is kind of on the spot. Honestly, <laughs> probably being five and three. That was the most surprise. Like, I yeah, if, if I'm being honest, I really, I really went into the season confident as hell like i thought we would be seven and one come to buy that's true if i if i went up to you before the season and say hey 
the Niners are going to go five and three and enter the bye week on a three game losing streak. How do you feel about that? You're, you're going to be like, no, 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 no. I'm going to stop watching football after week five. Thank you. <laughs> you're like, we'll, we'll figure it out afterwards. That's a great point. Um, yeah. I would say for me, I think oh. the big, oh yeah, go for Out, it. Outside of the Niners real quick while you think about yours mm-hmm. is the most surprising thing. The Raiders blew it up. Yeah, oh my God! Benching yes. Jimmy, firing their defensive coordinator, firing their head coach, firing the GM. Like it's it's bad, but it's also great. It's like Christmas. I've talked to a bunch of Raiders fans. They're stoked. They're like, "This is exactly what we needed." Yeah. Just a full reset. It's terrible. I feel bad for them, but also screw the Raiders. It's very interesting how some teams take that approach. Where like, oh, we're gonna be in the middle. We're gonna be like semi middle the whole time yeah. because we still have a chance. Like, oh, everything has to go right. But, you know, you talk to a lot of these people who go through that kind of change. You hear a lot of NFL players talk about it. They're like, sometimes a change is just needed. And when a team can admit that, it just made you come into the you come in the next day to work feeling fresh, like something different is happening. So, yeah, I genuinely I almost picked them to win this week's matchup. I, I can't remember who they're playing. They're playing the Giants. I did pick. Yeah. Them. <laughs> yeah see and i i almost picked them for that sole reason i'm like I, I can totally see how like just a total change of scenery from everybody that's out there can like boost their momentum but i'm like you know what i trust the giants in this one that's fair i did i will admit the i guess my biggest surprise is you know some of these players have been done pretty dirty this year jonathan taylor had to go through it yeah the running backs had to deal with their struggles but nothing is more almost disrespectful than what the raiders are doing to Devontae adams <laughs> like what they did by keeping him on this team you this yeah. is your prime opportunity to get the most like you could get they're going to trade him in the offseason he's not staying on this team he doesn't and you're going to you're going to get less than what you could have got now so they could have plucked him and put him on another team and just said hey yeah like it is what it is but they he literally asked for a trade a month ago and they're like nope we're not gonna get rid of you (laughs) so no definitely disappointing um i outside of that i think the most pleasant surprise i don't know man this is tough like this this nfl season's weird the injuries are wild Maybe the most surprising thing was the way maybe the Vikings had to deal with Kirk and Justin Jefferson just going down. Those were the most disappointing. As much as I called Vikings frauds, I respect them so much more. And I'm nervous for Kirk. I don't know if he's going to – I don't know what's going to happen down there with them. They obviously have Josh Dobbs. That's a great move by them for the temporary because they can still compete. But I'm nervous for Kirk, man. Shout out to him still. I respect him so much. and. He's Rogers is coming back from an Achilles tear and Kirk Cousins is five years younger than him and has always been a stationary guy. So it's not like he can't, but I just, I don't know what's going to happen with him and the Vikings or if he's going to find another team. So I don't know what's going to happen there. Yeah, I guess we'll see. It'll kind of depend, I guess, on how well Dobbs does there now too, because mm-hmm. they just, they just traded for Josh Dobbs. And I think that was a great pickup considering short term for sure. And I mean, he's yeah. not starting on Sunday and I wouldn't either like, Give him a week yeah. to figure out the system and then start him. But Kirk has to come back. Um, that's the thing. They have to pay him. So he this was his contract year, and it sucks because he was producing. But now it's like those an Achilles tear in football is just no joke. And it's just something yep. you are you going to spend career enders sometimes. Are you going to spend a bag on him? And if right. not, who will like who's going to spend a ridiculous amount of money on him? And maybe he does have to do a prove it year, which would be great if at least if he stayed and they gave him a prove it year deal. But mm-hmm. still. So with that, um, I think that 
is it for our football talk today. How are you feeling? You feeling good about that? I'm all good. All right. Well, then this was episode 16 of the Behind the Back podcast. You can hit us up at behindthebackpod13 at gmail.com with any emails, questions, messages that you want to fire out with your takes. Hit us up on our socials. All of our socials are in the description below. You can find it on Spotify, you know, all that information that we put out. But you can hit us up on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, X, Facebook. We're, um, I don't know. We're posting our picks for the week. I don't know if we have already done that. If not today, we're doing them tomorrow. For the weekend, we already secured. What's the what's the score for the Thursday night game? Are we right? Oh, I don't know. I'm curious. I don't I'm, know. I'm like, are we right or wrong? Let me look this let up. Me, let me pull it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm curious because we both picked Tennessee to win. I mean, yeah, Tennessee. 20... Tennessee is up 16 to 13 in the third quarter. Oh wow, this is a close game. It's oh close. crap, I'm not that excited anymore. Well, then we'll no. see what happens. But we both picked Tennessee, as we mentioned already. So we'll see what happens. But hopefully, I can can extend my lead, or hopefully Ben comes back. So we'll see what happens here. It's going to be another fun week of football. But again, I'm Marcos Conan Negron. I'm Ben the Jet Rats. That is right. So we will see you guys next week. We'll let you guys know when we're uh, going to you know, post our recording. Our schedule is a little back and forth. So you know, we'll let you guys know. Follow us on social to find out more. All right. Peace. Peace.